Welcome to the podcast, 10 Solutions for a Feminist Climate Resilient Recovery. I am Maria Lee from the global network, WOCAN, Women Organizing for Change in Agriculture and Natural Resource Management. The current global crisis presents a unique opportunity to put climate resilience at the center of the conversation around what is important and how to build a better future for all. The solutions to build resilience to crisis are linked to the preservation of our Earth's resources and the stewardship of these. In this podcast series, we will be sharing 10 solutions for a climate resilient post-recovery through conversations with international thought leaders. My conversation today is with Lorena Aguilar, a global leader passionate about human rights, inclusion, and sustainable development. Over the last three decades, she has provided strategic contributions to national and international policies and led inclusive collaboration processes with governments, UN agencies, international organizations, and civil society to advance inclusive and equitable sustainable development. Through her work at IUCN, Lorena has also contributed to putting women and girls at the heart of conservation and climate action. Good morning, Lorena. Good morning, Maria. I'm really delighted to have this conversation with you today to talk about this really important topic of how we can build a more sustainable and climate resilient world. It is not a new topic as such, but more than any crisis, I think that the COVID-19 pandemic has really reminded us how nature, economic stability, health, and livelihoods are interconnected. And it has also brought to light even more the weaknesses of our economic model and the absolute need for a shift in mindset that would value nature into the equation. So my first question to you is, from your perspective, do you feel that it has indeed heightened our collective awareness of what is really worth investing in and the changes that are needed? Well, definitely. I mean, the biggest lesson is that um, COVID-19 is more than just a disease. It's a symptom of the state of the health of, of our planet. Um, the relationship that we have had, a very dysfunctional relationship with nature, uh, for example. We have to remember that COVID-19 is what it's called a sonotonic uh, virus. It means that it, it had transit from wild animals to humans and evolved into this pandemic. But it's because we have generated this risk brew in which we have ecosystem destruction, loss of species, climate change, and all of these accompanied by an extremely weak investment in equal access to, to social benefits. Um, we can see, for example, what, what COVID have done, and, and I'm going to use Costa Rica as an example, is that we have invested uh, for decades on our health system and in our education system. And that helped us, that has protected us. We have 5 million people in the whole country and we have only 11 people that have been uh, dead. Uh, 
because of of COVID. And it's that it's that combination is when you invest in uh, looking after the biggest asset a country has that it's its people and of course uh, its uh, nature. Uh, we, we have to remember that uh, probably we have paid too much attention to the GDP, only economic things, but the GDP especially, and this is a, a word that um, Kennedy used to say, is that it doesn't necessarily measure what it's important. Mm. Access, as I said, to health, to education, to a safe environment um, is fundamental, Maria, in, in, the moment, in the spaces that we are. Mm. And this is really the, the change in mindset that uh, that we need. And I think there there is a push for this change to happen. And let's talk about some some solutions that that we see are are coming up across the world. There are many voices that that are calling for more holistic solutions that take into account these these different uh, interconnected elements. And one of them is nature based solutions. Can you explain what is meant by nature-based solutions and what they need to include to support a sustainable and climate-resilient future? Yeah. Well, nature-based solution is a term that was coined, um, I would say almost now, a little bit more than a decade. And, and it refers to the sustainable management and use of nature, but also for tackling social environmental challenges and the challenges include as you will say such as climate change water security water pollution human health and disaster risk uh, management what is important is that nature-based solutions goes beyond uh, what we usually hear in the environmental sector just about biodiversity conservation and management principles and it, it implies refocusing the debate on humans and specifically integrating these societal factors such as human well-being and poverty reduction and socioeconomic development and governance principles. So it's a very holistic, precisely what you were saying, Maria, term. And it has evolved, very interesting, from the environmental sector in alliance with other sectors that have been working on this interlinkage between social elements and environmental elements. Also, we understand now more than ever that the environmental crisis is not because the ecosystem has decided to commit suicide. No, it's social, cultural, and economic phenomena that had driven precisely the situation in which we have the environment uh, at the moment. Mm -hmm. it's, so it encompasses a, a, a lot of different things. Can you give one or two examples of what it looks like when we talk about nature-based <laughs> solutions? So just we have like a, a better idea. Yes, I mean, we, we talk a lot about forest landscape restoration. Mm. Well, if I can explain that simple, it's trying to recuperate uh, degraded lands, lands that have been where forest was completely depleted. And there are these processes to work with the communities to try um, to return those ecosystems into these very de um, degraded um, areas. This is probably one of the best known um, nature-based uh, solutions around the world. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what it's fascinating, it, it also implies what people call salty forest, mangroves. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of projects that are doing um, the recuperation or restoration of mangroves around the world. And there being those mangroves that are being planted for many reasons. It has the value to uh, protect the communities from the coast for major disasters. It also is instrumental for um, the fishes to reproduce. I mean, fishes go there, they lie the eggs, the baby remains underneath the the mangrove uh, roots. And also it's being done with the people. I think that one of the most beautiful examples of how this is this holistic approach is efforts that I used to lead uh, when I was in in IUCN in countries like Malawi or uh, Brazil or Ghana on forest landscape restoration. And it was also instrumental because we brought everybody from the community. But what was very beautiful in this process was to understand the different values people will bring to these approaches. Uh, For example, working in the Amazon with the women and asking them what type of a species they would like to see uh, coming back. Um, We use the recipes, Maria, to Mm -hmm. follow what they used to cook, the grandmothers, Mm -hmm. and what how those recipes have changed throughout the years because they have depleted a lot of resources. So the women said, we would like to go back to have X or Y animal that was in the recipes of our grandmothers and now throughout the years have disappeared. But the most beautiful thing is that these women understood that to have a a special mammal back, it, it needed other plants and other animals because they were part of a broader set of interactions. When we work only with the men, it was pretty much driven the type of trees they wanted Mm -hmm. for commercial purposes. So the value is bringing all those voices together. It's not only one voice, it's it's this diversity. And I think that when we talk about uh, the biodiversity of ecosystems and that being one of the most important conditions for their resilience, for being strong ecosystems. That is also what we have to talk when we talk about bringing people into these processes. Diversity of human beings makes us stronger. It's the diversity of position, it's the diversity of opinions. So I think that um, this is, is quite important. And then we find out something very, very interesting. A lot of the men have left the women um, because the the ecosystems were so degraded, the land was so washed out, that the men have migrated and the women have stayed. And they were willing to take the risks for uh, forest landscape restoration and and few men wanted to take the risks Mm -hmm. of of what um, it it meant. So we saw women also managing risks in a different way, in a more positive, and um, going for it. In a way, um, as you said, this is a, a concept uh, and and something a strategy that that governments um, have been talk, talking about for the last few years. International organizations as well, but we can see that there is still a long way to go. And I just wanted to share um, an information on an article that I read this morning 
about a recent briefing published by an organization called the CDP um, that runs uh, global disclosure systems for investors, companies, and cities to manage their environmental impacts. And after looking at over 500 companies, they found that only 15% of those companies reported having implemented any form of nature-based solutions. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, what do you think could be drivers, incentives for governments and for businesses to invest more in nature-based solutions and to be basically more ambitious? And I'm also going to frame it within the COVID-19 because I think that we learn a lot during this process. Uh, we cannot effectively address uh, global programs such as the environment individually. And the, the spread of this virus has also proven once and for all that we are in a globalized world and that they're not only local problems and pollution and pathogens knows no borders. And I think that this has been um, quite complicated because the, this notion that I'm telling you that we are one big ecosystem uh, was a race in the climate change convention. But it was the first major global problem mm. that the world had to come and agree upon. Mm. And COVID now is precisely hitting on that area. I mean, this we need to find these global solutions. And, and what has been interesting, Marie, is to see right now that that sense that we are in one world, that there's no planet B, mm -hmm. that we need to talk among us, that we need to think about differently, is what will drive, hopefully, and, and I think we're trying to see some of these issues of um, investing in different type of processes. And nature-based solutions is going to be one of those because now we're showing that where that has been done, the results that we're having with this pandemic, for example, how in areas in which people have uh, food security, they have been able to cope better with the COVID than others that have not had access uh, to those processes. How eating organic and more healthy food is providing uh, that your immune system responds better to, to, to these diseases. You see the Green Deal in Europe talking about the renewable energy sector that we have been pounding the drum for years now, saying, this is where you have to invest. Look at the amount of employment. It accelerates the economy. It helps us reduce emissions. It really brings, for example, is one of the few sectors uh, compared to the traditional energy sector in which you find like 20% of women, 36% of women are involved in the energy sector. So we need to find for these solutions. We need to find for these multi uh, interlink solutions. And if you want to link it with the SDGs, solutions that will mobilize more than one SDG at the same time. I mean, it will reduce poverty. poverty. It, in, it will bring new employment. It will bring women, promote gender equality. It will have an impact in the reduction of, of emissions. 
So I think the world is ready. And, and I really hope that the forces that are pushing for this change win this battle. We can now go back to where we were. Mm. These type of solutions uh, need to be led by scientists. It cannot be led only by politicians because politicians have very short spans of time. And they look, oh, if I do A, B, and C, I'm going to lose my base, so I better not do it this way. In this case, and in the case of climate change, and in the case of biodiversity, those that need to lead us are the scientists. Because we're going to have to make very, very difficult decisions. Mm. But uh, they need to be based on strong, solid science. You just said that, you know, scientists need to be part of the conversation as well as other voices, obviously, in terms of um, grassroots organization. And, and you work for so many years on, on really putting women in the forefront as well of, of, and the core discussions um, around climate. I, I guess it is the same when we talk about a nature-based solution. This podcast in itself calls for a feminist approach to building climate resilience. So I was wondering what it means for you to take a, a feminist approach to nature-based solutions and why you think it's really important. Well, Maria, it's important. We're 3.85 billion solutions. <laughs> We're half of the population of the world. Who in its right mind will leave this power? on the side. Look at the role that the prime ministers and the presidents, the women presidents of the world, how they're leading COVID-19. It's not only the fact that uh, uh, we are being allowed because of a quota uh, to be part of the decision-making processes. No. Good example is Christiana Figueres under the UNFCCC. She was capable of making something that nobody thought we could make. That was the Paris uh, Agreement. But uh, the world needs, again, as I said, diversity. It needs the indigenous peoples that have shown us through centuries that the most protected areas uh, on the world um, is where they are. Uh, it also tells us that the youth that has been asking for major changes. I mean, prior to the, to the COVID, the youth movement was calling for an emergency already of uh, where we were. Millions and millions of youth and lead by a young woman. There are so many women around the world that do not know how to read and write and are at the forefront of really the survival of their environment and, and their communities, brave women. But we have to close those gender gaps. We have to really invest in closing those gender gaps. Because can you imagine the power that we at the end will be? Because we are already powerful. But if we close those gender gaps, um, we might be the best investment strategy uh, for what is coming as well. Mm. Well, you yourself, Lorena, you are a leader and, and you have been a leader in this 
arena of, of climate change to make sure that the voices of women and this gender gap um, get to a close. And I just wanted for you to share with us, when we prepared this podcast, you mentioned an example of a project that you're going to be involved in in, in Costa Rica that to me is, is an interesting example that combines how you promote gender equality while also um, incentivizing people to take um, a more sustainable nature-based approach to their activities. And I think it was a really interesting example if you could share it with us now. Yes, well, uh, thank you for reminding me the, uh, that, Maria. Um, Costa Rica is one of the few countries in the world that has uh, developed um, a gender and red strategy. Red is a mechanism under the Climate Change Convention that looks at the uh, reduction of the deforestation and degradation of the lands. And in that um, gender uh, strategy for, for this uh, red mechanism in Costa Rica, the women themselves, because the women themselves from around uh, my country develop it, uh, ask for the development of a gender equality certification at the productive level, at the productive unit. So what we're doing right now is with women from all around uh, the country and men uh, as well, we're looking at the family, at the household, as one of the units that creates and reproduces gender gaps. And what we want to do is to, and, and these are projects that are also involved in reforestation, management of nature, species management, um, agroforestry, um, more uh, green agriculture that we're going to provide a certification to those families that are not reproducing uh, gender gaps. So you cannot only uh, provide uh, new resources to a family unit that is working with the environment if they are not also looking at the well-being uh, of that family. If uh, young girls are being sent to school uh, as along with their uh, male brothers? Um, are women having access uh, to health um, the same way as the men are or to the social security system? Will they have a pension uh, as well? So we're, we're building this certification. There is not such a certification. Nobody else is doing it in the world. But it is at the household at the unit. And our idea is that by the end of this year, those units that have this combination, working with the environment, really involved on climate change and nature-based solutions, will get a plus for uh, really promoting um, gender equality within their households. This is great. I, I really love this example. And I think it's so innovative and I hope it can inspire um, other cities and, and other countries uh, around the world. Um, to conclude this conversation, what would be your call to action today? In the environmental sector, we have placed so much attention to the value of biodiversity and how strong um, it makes uh, ecosystems. But I think we have forgotten uh, to really make the case for the value for diversity. 
the value of bringing all the voices uh, to the table, the value of bringing women and youth and ethnic groups uh, to craft um, our future. And it's the easiest way. Diversity is what makes the strengths, and it is diversity that allow us to get to the right place. And that diversity implies also closing the gaps and respecting the human rights of all of us. Great. So a big call for diversity. Thank you very much, Lorena. Thank you, Maria. It has been an honor and a pleasure. You've been listening to Wokan Podcast, 10 Solutions for a Feminist Climate Resilient Recovery. If you want to know more about Wokan's activities, please go to www.wokan.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.